Welcome to our podcast, Bubble the Bible. We've been on a tangent for a little while here, just talking on our own, but <laughs> we are back in Esther. Actually, it's not back in We've been doing it for a long time. We are in Act 5, Part 2, Chapter 9, Verse 20 to the end, which is Time Chapter 10, Verse up. 3. Time to wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, it's been a good, uh, I don't know how many weeks we've been in it, but we've been in it for, uh, I guess, 5 times 2 is 10. So we've been in it for 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> good math. Yeah, good math. I'm just clarifying for the people that are listening so they don't have to do it themselves. Yeah. So we didn't make 10 podcasts. No, we, we did not. We, we started in the middle of the series. We started Act 2, Part 2. So. Yeah. So Which, 7. Nice this to, is number 7. It's number 7 for us, I think. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right on the math. Yeah. We'll call it right. <laughs> I haven't looked into it. Anyways, <laughs> Act 5, Part 2, the rest of the chapter. So now you don't have to view your eyes anymore. You can actually read the whole thing now. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> we are jumping into verse 20 where uh, it states that Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of Xerxes, of King Xerxes. Mm-hmm. Calling on, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. So that's a. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I guess further later on, it goes more into it. But like, yeah, he told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness, and by giving gifts of food to each other, and pre- presents to the poor. This would com- commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies when their sorrow was turned into gladness mm-hmm. and their mourning into joy. It's kind of weird that like, because this is a book that, that doesn't mention God, it's kind of weird that it just shows that like Mordecai makes this almost godly holiday. It seems like I mean, it's not really a godly holiday, but it's like a Jewish holiday in a yeah, sense. It's, it, it, it's a holiday that's held in uh, almost like a high position. It's something that's yeah. Like, that's like basically you celebrate it. You basically, it's like yeah, you, you should be celebrating it as a as a celebration of deliverance. Yep. Yeah, and they, and they still celebrate it today in Jerusalem. Like mm-hmm. it's it hasn't stopped, which is interesting. Yeah. And what was that Nehemiah where they made a similar party, or where was that? Yeah, Nehemiah chapter eight or in Ezra? No, it was Nehemiah, I believe. Yep. We're all turning in yeah, our battles. It, it had uh, <laughs> it had the mention of like the gifts, basically the giving of gifts and food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is after Ezra reads the law, starting in uh, I guess about verse nine or ten. There, that sort of like little chunk is where it sort of starts mentioning yeah. basically. Eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy mm. to our Lord. Do not be grieved. Yeah. So a Mordecai's offering seems like just kind of the general this is how Jews party. Yeah, this is system. kind of how we do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, it doesn't really reflect Passover or like in a way, but it kind of does almost in a sense. Just a Bunch of celebration from deliverance, right? So, <laughs> just kind of what. And there's still traditions is. that are there's still traditions that are carried on into today's celebrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of Purim. 
or this yeah. is Purim, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Purim. Purim. Yeah. Purim. Which that means well, pur pur is the word for lot, and Purim is the plural word for lot. So lots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, Which is and what that. Twenty three is what it states there too. Is that casting lots? The lots were called Purim. Pretty mm-hmm. much. That's in my Bible. So I think it was different, but yeah, Pur for lots, and Purim is like the. I don't know, adjective to lot, not adjective. I just think per means lot, perum means lots, plural. Thank you. Yeah. Plural perum. It's interesting how they named the holiday after the after after the lots that were cast against them. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting. There are so many things or so many parts of the story or so many areas that they could have taken inspiration from for a name, but to take it from the lots that were cast against the Jews was yeah is interesting. This is really weird. It's different. I don't know why that would have been like. Why would you pick that word? But I mean, they had to clarify it in the book too here because they would have spoke. Uh, oh, Mike mentioned it. They were speaking Aramaic. Aramaic, yeah. And yeah. so not all, not everyone would be able to understand that. That's why they had to clarify it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because per or, yeah. yeah per is um Hebrew. Yeah, I think an interesting thing for me is how the Jews value both the Passover and Purim very highly. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that the Passover was designated by God. But Purim, yeah. kind of like how the book of Esther doesn't mention God, Purim was designated by the Jews and has like no designation from God whatsoever. And yet they consider it just as important, which yeah. I find interesting. It is. Yeah. But they're both about deliverance either as well. Like That is true. In a way. I still think the greatest part of the the ho- the holiday that Mike was mentioning was in like modern day when they like reenact it or whatever, and then like whenever they say that whenever they say the name like come on, they like all like make noise and like try to like blot it out. Yeah, yeah, with stomp their feet. <laughs> well, I that's just, what that's I just what they do s- nowadays. So yeah, <laughs> I, I I just I just want to see a synagogue full of like Jewish rabbis that just like yeah, making noise every single time. That's it. <laughs> I would also like to see them read the Sons of Haman in one breath. That that oh, was yeah. the other modern day yeah. tradition that's passed that on. Was a little... <laughs> yeah. I think Mike laid, Mike laid out three customs that they do right now. And his name of Haman is to be blotted out with noisemakers, yelling and mm-hmm. stomping your feet, whatever. The Sons of Haman are, as are listed, are to be read with one breath. <laughs> and feasting, giving gifts to each other and to the poor. A couple of the customs were like wearing costumes, um, like reenacting the story, and they yeah they they read out the book I guess the best or two. That's why they had to blot his name out. So, mm-hmm. and the important reason that they are blotting out the name of Haman is that God's command is to blot out the name of the Amalekites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and since Haman's Amalekite. descended from the Amalekites, that's why they find yeah. it so important to do that. Do you guys remember where that is? That's in Numbers, or is that? That'd probably be in, in Wh- Samuel, which reference? Probably. Yeah, First the... Samuel fifteen is where the Amalekites are, but the oh, actual command okay. in itself. Hmm. Well, yeah, because it might have been in Joshua, probably where their original skirmish with the Amalekites was. Wasn't the first? One, wasn't the first one with the Amalekites in Exodus once the Jews got out of Egypt? I thought it went. It was when they were going into Canaan. 
Possibly. Probably. <laughs> oh, Nikhili left. Oh, nice. Yeah. We'll just keep going. I'll send her an invite back. Let me... Yeah, I don't know where it says where it states that, but be in Joshua. We were talking about it, but I just can't remember. I should have wrote it down. I didn't have to write it down. It's all in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, That's what not I right say now. every time. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's in Joshua, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And I'll find out that it isn't in Joshua. <laughs> then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna have to cover it up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, you find it, Dawson? I found something about Exodus 17. Oh yeah, that's about the pat. No, that's about the Passover. Never mind. No, that was it's in regard to Amalek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah. Oh, here it is. Exodus seventeen fourteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven." There you go, Nate. Backtrack to Joshua now. Exodus, man. I told you. <laughs> I told. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was uh, Exodus. Well, he was talking to Joshua. So was, mu- Joshua must have wrote it down too. That's fair. He was talking to Joshua. <laughs> that's fair, but it is yeah. recorded <laughs> Josh, that's where you got the name Joshua from. <laughs> no, that's actually really good. Yeah. Yep. From there, so. So long story short, there's a lot of feasting. There's a lot of gladness. Basically, they're commanded to do the opposite of what initially happened. So it's basically your sorrow into gladness, your mourning into a holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting that they have held this holiday in such high esteem. Um, and, and I guess maybe this is where it's like, and this is maybe foreshadowing to the last, to to the final question, but it's like, could technically, or, or could we see this as one of the areas that God is working? Was God possibly working through Mordecai to say, to basically, declare this as like hey i i saved you guys even though i'm not mentioned i still saved you guys you should celebrate this yeah it's well god did save them and I, I, yeah the thing about this book is it doesn't mention yeah god at all and the author kind of seems to take it that way mm-hmm. and, and like, i mean yeah just in like reference yeah. to like in earlier parts of the story where we feel where we see like you know it's almost as if like mordecai has been like empowered by the spirit and the way that he's acting and his sort of like change yeah in nature something like that and could like this just be like a little blurb of that here where it's like where yeah. it's like we're under normal circumstances maybe they wouldn't have gone to the point of like yeah creating like or like writing a decree for the celebration but like maybe that's god just like putting it on their hearts hey you guys should, like you guys should be reminded of this like make a holiday so that yeah. you don't forget about this this but if we go back and look at the whole story too like how else are the Israelites going to like, like, I don't know, not destroy, but like, be so like victorious on that day of battle without God in that sense, right? Well, well they aren't. And yeah, so, no, they're not going to be. So, yeah. and I, it's definitely led it led by God through Mordecai mm-hmm. and through Esther, and so like, it's probably fair to say that Mordecai was really a devout believer. Like a devoted believer, and was very close to, to God, and followed the rules fairly well. I guess to yeah, say, 
you think like a practitioner so, of the law. Yeah, and he was pretty, and so God would have blessed him pretty well for for his commitment to his yeah to I, his faith. Yeah, I guess I'm just sort of like referring to like the fact that we had sort of mentioned it's like it's interesting how they made like a holiday out of this, and we, we yeah said the holiday was instated by man, but maybe yeah. that's God working through them to instate the holiday as a reminder yeah. for the Jewish people. That's it, sort of it, the, yeah. it very well is because if they could forget it by. And this is another thing too, where it shows like maybe this is the way that God's showing He's going to destroy the Amalekites, like again, a promise to uh, keeping His promise in a way, or not, not keeping His promise, but yeah. I think it's also probably called Purim because when you cast lots, you only have two possibilities. Mm-hmm. No, it either goes one way or it goes the other, which is kind of the same yeah. as the whole key with this is like kind of the tables turned. Yeah, it kind of goes one way, not the other. The kind of motif where like yeah. either the Jews won or Hammond wins. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an obvious one the Jews win at the end here, which is, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, but I don't have very much notes after this, but anyways, I can jump into the next couple of verses here. Oh, where was it? There was something I wanted to point out. It's not weird that we don't hear much about Esther until like verse 25 here. But when Esther came before the king, he issued another decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire. And Haman and his sons were impaled and sharp, on a sharpened pole. That is why the celebration is called Purim because it is the ancient word for casting lots. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty much the end. But yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, not really a huge backtrack, but it was something I just had written down here and it was something that Mike had pointed out is the, in verse 24, when it mentions Haman again, Haman the Agagite, the son of uh, Hamadatha. Ha- oh, yeah, ha- Hamadatha, right. It says the enemy of all the Jews. And as to yeah. whether or not that word all actually has some sort of significance, a sort of unknown. But it's it's interesting to point yeah. out just because in the, previous, in the previous times that Haman is introduced as Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, it's typically just as the enemy of the Jews. It yeah. doesn't use that word mm. all. That word all is just like an interesting. It's something to look to look out for, but it's like as to whether or not it has any sort of significance is something <laughs> that we couldn't really deduce. So, yeah, it was just an interesting by omission, I guess, or like yeah. the last few times. Mm-hmm. Maybe it states it like this just because it's like the last time he's basically mentioned. Yeah, mine in verse twenty-four didn't say. It mine just says enemy of the Jews in verse twenty-four. It's kind of weird because but... I know Mike's translation said all. Yeah, I know mine says all. Mine said all too when I was at the um, study there too, and I remember seeing that, which is and that would have been NIV, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. No, I just noticed. Go for it. No, go ahead. I didn't have anything to say. Uh, I was changing the topic. I was looking uh, back at my notes, and I I don't know if you guys mentioned it while my mic cut out, but. I noticed one more thing that in modern day Purim that they celebrated was masquerading. And the main reason for that is because God disguised himself in the story. Mm. And so then yeah. that's why they masquerade nowadays. Yeah. And some other things I noticed is that it could also signify like the many times Haman hid his face and also Esther hiding her identity and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, underlying factors throughout the yeah. story that could represent that. Like yeah, not not pretending, but not just showing who you really are in 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 the moment. Exactly. Kind of way, yeah. 
I think it's yeah. probably safe to say for those listening as well that when we're talking about masquerading, it's not like what you think, which is what I thought initially, which was like 18th century Victorian England. Not that kind of <laughs> mask. Not not like not like fancy ball. That's just the, that's just what my mind went to when I heard masquerading. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, hold the phone. This is this is like this is like ancient Persia. This is not the this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> I was thinking of like Romeo and Juliet, where they go to that party and they're all in masks. But you know they was... they do it they do it nowadays masquerading. Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure that like the opera. <laughs> yeah, the the, the, yeah. the idea of a masquerade is sort of like universal, but I guess just like the style. Just like the cultural style would would be its own. I don't know what that would look like in in Jewish custom, but I'm sure it's not like what yeah. we see in what, what we would have seen in like Victorian England or in Europe. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess something I got out of this book, which I mean, maybe it's too early to do our final synopsis of it, but the book's called Esther. But I always felt like Mordecai is more the protagonist. Mm. Yeah, he's more of the mm-hmm. the guy behind the the wheel. He's more of the driving force. Like. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the book ends with kind of discussing where he left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to talk about the greatest of Mordecai, and he's always the Mordecai. one kind of in yeah. the right with everything yeah. he does. Whereas he's <clears throat> he has to fight with Esther too, and I don't know. I just always got that feeling that Mordecai is kind yeah. of the head honcho of the story. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Mordecai does a little more. Yeah. Of 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 course that's sort of like of uh, like up until the the banquets and Esther sort of sort of like dropping the hammer on Haman's head. Uh, it was sort of like looked like he was doing more and then of course after that it like and that's where Esther really comes through. But yeah, now that we're back to like sort of like the second half of chapter 9 into chapter 10, it really seems like Mordecai is the is the the main character. And he's just a much better foil to Hammond than Queen Esther is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- that's interesting too because it's like it's like when you think about it, you'd think about like when you think about the antagonist versus the protagonist, they're usually opposites of each other, right? So that's why it makes sense no. to think of Mordecai as the protagonist. But really, even though the book is named after Esther, it seems like more of the focus or the or more of the events are revolving around Mordecai. Yeah, but also Esther did put herself out like. I- I feel like it talks about Mordecai more often, but I think Esther was quite. Yeah, I don't know how involved she was, but it doesn't really say how involved she was with Mordecai. Like they were probably pretty close, and they may have worked side by side. It just mm-hmm. mentions Mordecai's name more often, maybe. And it's Esther's action of faith that turns the tables around. Yeah. And if it wasn't for her stepping out and saying what she needed to, then because yeah. Mordecai be happening would have very like if he approached the, the king, he would have very likely been killed, probably right. Mm-hmm. Like there's more, he wouldn't be able to say as as much as Esther could have yep. to the king, because the king had high regards for Esther. Yep. But it mm-hmm. it was also Mordecai who was the one who basically told Esther who to knows go if do this it. Is like yeah, who knows if like you specifically became the queen for this yeah. purpose? Like, like why else are you here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's important to note though that Mordecai didn't do any of this to try and gain a position. Yeah. Especially early on, because people could look at this and say, "Oh, he was scheming this the whole time to try and get up to power." Yeah. But no, he was doing and it out of he, faith. If he wanted to get to power, he could have used the fact that he saved the king four years ago to get a reward for power, right? Exactly. And he didn't say anything about it. He didn't do it for a reward. He got a reward four years later, but mm-hmm. it was like 
involved by the king giving him the reward through Hammond, which is <laughs> just bizarre. Yeah. It just seems so weird, but like that, that just shows how humble Mordecai is, and it's like, oh, well, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like, save God the king. exalts <laughs> the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mordecai is in it for God's people. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. And for, mm-hmm. and for rather, representing representing sort of that, basically wearing that on his back rather than his own pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he led, was led around town, he just walked back and went back to work and did his own mm-hmm. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't go home and brag to anybody, so it was kind of, yeah, just like that. <laughs> My verse 10, I was reading this here, I didn't realize it said before, but his in verse chapter ten, verse two, says his greatness, his great achievements, and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Media and Persia. What does yours guys say? Yeah, mine says that. Yeah, yeah same. Is yours Dawson? Yep. I feel like I read that before and it didn't say that, but anyway. <laughs> I just found that interesting. I thought you just also said something different. I guess it'll lead to anything, but <laughs> it was written down in the book of history somewhere. Yeah, whether or not we still have that, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be yep. cool. It was written down in this book now, so. <laughs> yeah. I like the ending on how the last verse exemplifies Mordecai's character, with the last word saying, at least in my version, because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Mm. And that was his intention from the beginning. Yeah. 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 Because he came to work the good of his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's in it for, he's in it for God's people, not for himself. Yeah, he is. Not exactly. For yeah. And he used his position to stand up for his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, nope. just to, that is just that's so humbling though too, right? Like he's so humble in that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. To to really just punch home that point though as to how important this holiday is, just like how basically far Mordecai and Esther went to make sure that it's instated. That beyond, yeah, beyond sort of like just like, I of course like he wrote it down, and then Esther basically provides uh provides a uh, uh her own sort of writing, her own letter, her own decree to accommodate that, or. Um, but it, it, it's interesting to note in 27 where the the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that without fail they would keep these two days so it's it, yeah. it, 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 it's interesting like it's not just like it's not just like oh they wrote it you should do this it's like it's like the Jews themselves like took it upon themselves to like hold this holiday to such a high standard yeah and keep it going mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it really didn't have to be an edict like everybody was ready to keep that day yeah and it was only done by them and not by god hey look at that bad michael (laughs) (laughs) what what an entrance (laughs) big mikey (laughs) (sighs) coming on the 11th hour there boys oh yeah Sorry, I'm late, guys. I forgot. Right. Well, <laughs> that's okay. No worries. There was a point that I was trying to look at, but I we forgot to mention. But oh, the fact that um, this holiday requires them to give to the poor, and and that is kind of and give gifts, and that's kind of a way of just showing that they ha- want everybody to be a part 
of celebrating it. They don't want anybody to miss out on it. Mm-hmm. Like you're just giving gifts to the people that can't really afford to celebrate like this. They now can celebrate the day of Purim, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Elsa. <laughs> Yeah, because the the Jews Jewish culture, especially then and even now, is very communal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very different from what we know in our own culture today. It's we're very independent and stuff like that. But yeah, very communal then. Celebrations were done together, and everybody's included, sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I actually wish was more popular in the West. Was, yeah was the like especially around like for example i mean of course with like immediate church families and things like that you see a lot of community but it's like i find that there's a lot of holidays where there's more like looking inward than there was outward mm-hmm. yeah there's more materialistic value placed for your own personal gain rather than for the sake of giving it to others mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 totally yeah the western world is a very materialistic materialistic world Mm-hmm. Well, even just Thanksgiving, it's always why am I thankful, not like why are we yeah. thankful as a group? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's always the focus of getting a big meal for yourselves rather than distributing it to others. Though there are food banks and organizations who put together Thanksgiving meals for people in need, which yeah. is wonderful. Yeah, so that everybody can celebrate. But normally, want everybody can celebrate those holidays that we celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that we do. Yeah. Yeah, those holidays are typically, it seems as if people think that, yeah, it's, people would rather almost donate, there's nothing wrong with donating to things, but it's almost like people would rather donate to something than put in effort as to actually, like, do something direct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, doing something direct is a lot of, takes a lot of, uh, not commitment, I wouldn't say, but... It's a little harder almost than just donating, right? Sometimes, oh, yeah. of, of, of yeah. course it is. But it's like, yeah, it, yeah I think it, it really takes a little more effort. Person, <laughs> yeah. it, it really shows a person's character when they do that. Oh, it does. above and beyond because that was the yeah. one. I mean, that's the. This is a really big tangent now, but that's sort of like the whole idea between like the like when when yeah. when Jesus came and people are listening to his teachings and he's not just talking about full, like obeying the law, but going above and beyond. Yeah. Well. When we look at the story of Esther, what did Mordecai and Esther do? They went above and beyond for their for their own people, right? To mm-hmm. save them. It wasn't uh Yeah. <laughs> they they basically Mor- risked their lives, so Mordecai mm-hmm. put that expectation on Esther that she had to go above and beyond. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. He's the one that encouraged her to, to do it, right? So <laughs> She wouldn't have had very many people with, within her building there that would have followed her Jewish traditions either, right? So Mordecai's the only one that's really been able to push her and tell her to pursue her to pursue God in a way. Mm-hmm. It's the only church, technically church outreach. Yeah. It's also fascinating in verse 10. I think uh, either Dawson or Mike was saying this that in verse, the first verse of chapter 10 is the king's verse has imposed a tribute throughout his empire. And a tribute was like more of a tax, right? It was a remission. Well, initially a remission of taxes was 
announced in I believe two Chapter verse two. eighteen or so. Yeah. 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 But then this is now the adding of taxes being yeah, brought, which is another Yeah. Which is another kind of reversal. Weird. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if the adding of taxes is purely a result of the fact that seventy five thousand people have been killed and therefore there's lost. There's, there's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The money in the kingdom now. We now have to recover this money. The <laughs> bureaucratic nightmare. Oh my goodness. First first you have a one day civil war, then in one then in your capital city, you're there's there's another there's another day of fighting. And then beyond that, you realize, oh shoot, there's a lot of dead people. We need we need to get some of this money back. So, but they, like, also, there's a lot of dead people. Like, there's gonna be a lot of funerals and a lot of burials. I wonder if the king has to cover some of that stuff. I don't mm. think the king. Probably not the king. Twenty five hundred years ago, I don't think the king does anything. Doesn't sound like Xerxes, does it? <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they have social assistance back then. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. You're probably right. <laughs> Did they even do elaborate funerals back then? Maybe for higher ups, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. He would have to get rid of Haman and his family because they're on poles there by his palace. <laughs> 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 something with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys have anything else to add to this last little part of Vester here? I guess that might be a way of them saying, like, everything's back to normal. Because when the story started really starting, it seems like mm-hmm. he kind of gave a tax rebate for everyone. Yeah. And then now that everything's back to normal and, like... You know, maybe that was a way of him just showing how wealthy he was. He's like, I don't need your money. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Or even just a way of... Of like finishing off the story and just saying, yeah. like, okay, now everybody lived happily ever after. Yeah. It's, which is a weird way of rate. saying, like, and then taxes went up, everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> the king at least. Thousand dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I never thought that, that tax going up before, like, at the beginning, was just, could have been a way of him showing how wealthy he was, just saying, hey, I don't need all your money or that much. When he. In a way, he probably did. But. Well, he, he, here's the thing. I do not think that the king needs money as a result of the 75000 If you actually break it down, the king no. doesn't need money as a result. No. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just he, he doesn't want to – I don't think he wants to spend out of his own pocket yeah. to, mm-hmm. to, to, to pad the losses. But, but, but it does sort of seem like a flex, just that verse where it's like impose a tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea and the acts of his yeah. power and might. Basically, like he taxed like all the way from India to Ethiopia. He taxed that whole chunk of land. He's like, yeah. "You guys are under my control. You guys are paying my tax." Basically, he's like, "I'm still in control here. Don't forget." <laughs> yeah, and that's intermingled, intermixed with this. Mordecai was really great too, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I weird. So I wonder yeah. what kind of author is writing this, you know? Like, is this an author that's, like, a Persian and is likes the king? Or is this an, a Jewish author, right? You know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least for this last part, I mean, we can say certain that it was some sort of Jew that wrote pretty much the rest of the story, but... Yeah, probably Matthew the tax collector. That guy's pretty slow. Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes wrong I when the taxes. king drops taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real moral of the story is don't drop taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make an event like this. <laughs> yeah. 
or the real more of the story is don't kill a a good chunk of people from your empire that are possibly providing for it either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you think they would even mention like that these taxes were being raised? Like I don't get that. Why is that even in the story here? Once again, I think that's possible. It just possibly goes back to sort of like that reminder. It's like, hey, yeah, we know like the f- the story is like on like Esther and Mordecai right now, but it's like don't forget that King Xerxes is still a absolute power. Yeah. Yeah. It's also. I've I've read it somewhere too, uh, commentator. It's it could be a way to to date time and dates uh, the story. Ah. So oh. so the author like puts that in, and then so the the original readers can read it and go, oh yeah, I remember Xerxes raising up taxes like a year ago. So this story was like a year ago. Something like that happening. Oh yeah, and that it's also like a... helps give the story historical validity to other records too. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's yeah. the exact point that the author is yeah. doing. He writes that down, so then yeah, it gives validity to to the story, and you can yeah. time and date it with along with other records uh, yeah. elsewhere. So this may have mm-hmm. nothing to do with Esther and Mordecai's doing at all. It's just something that the king decided to do in this moment, and then they use it to date their their uh, the book, mm-hmm. the events. It could be. Yeah, this is like how the Gospels start with Emperor Augustus's edict. Mm-hmm. In those days, there, there was due to, to for senses, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the scene. Give, give, That's the give, scene. Gives their gives the readers an idea of what's going on at the yeah. Mm-hmm. Allows them to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of information we just read over here and we kind of miss. We always look for. I don't know, for me, I always read it and I miss a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes you don't know why it's there, but sometimes it's good just to, to dive into it. But... So I think me and Nikaley already gave some synopsis. Any more synopsis out there? So you're the talking I did? I don't remember giving a synopsis. <laughs> Is that you, Dawson? <laughs> no, I don't think Dawson. You're the only one. Is it just me? Yeah. You mean? Is it just me? Yeah. Nate, do you mean a synopsis or like a moral? No, no, a synopsis. Yeah, I guess a synopsis isn't quite it. Yeah, that's, like that. <laughs> that's like jot notes. <laughs> well, yeah, because Dawson gave uh, a moral, right? Is that what you mean, Nate? Mm-hmm. I think Nate, no, I think we're just going to close off with all of us giving like what we learned out of Esther. <laughs> okay, well, I already did mine, so. But did I? I don't know if I did. <laughs> did, you, did you folks talk about um, Pulim celebrated today a little bit. Yes, we I think did. We should go over it a little bit more, Mike, because I think you can probably do it better than what we can. Yeah, yeah. Add more details. I, I think it's it's just really cool um, how they are still celebrated today, and just how these things carry over through the generations. And I mean, Mordecai wrote that letter. That's that was to have them celebrate these these days of Pulim, and. It was to <clears throat> the there's feasting, joy, giving presents of food to one another, and gifts to the poor, and that's what Mordecai wrote in this book of Esther, and that's what he wrote to all the Jews in that time. <clears throat> and those customs are still done today. I mean, obviously, um, a Pulim holiday, like any other celebration, feasting is a huge part of it, and and drinking wine is very much encouraged, but especially. On Pulim, and for some reason, like Pulim, it, like they go hard on the alcoholic 
drink. And uh, they they just, yeah, go hard on the party and that sort of thing. They go hard on the alcohol where they can't distinguish Hammond and Mordecai. Is that right? Yeah, so the Talmud, is a Jew, it's a Jewish holy book, and the Talmud is actually written in there. It suggests to drink until one can no longer distinguish between Cursed is Amon and Blessed is Mordecai. Wow. So the Haagen-Dazs cookies. <laughs> They're not Haagen-Dazs, Nate. Oh, that's Polish. That's, Pol- that's American, actually. It's, it's something. It's- it's Jewish, Polish, American, Mike. <laughs> I think there, I think there is some Swedish in there too. Possibly some Danish. Oh man! So there's the drinking, the feasting, the joy, and the, and the drinking is a part of that. And uh, yeah, it's funny that in a Jewish holy book they even write like to drink so much you can't tell between these two sentences. So what, but, what are uh, those cookies called? I'm getting there, man. He's gonna search him up right when you mention it. <laughs> I'm just gonna get Hagen awesome. <laughs> Um Also, is giving presents of food to one another, Mordecai wrote, oh. and that's still done today. And that is, it's a practice called Mishloach Manot in Hebrew. And uh, the, 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 <laughs> No, actually, it's not here. Oh, the, <laughs> the official, the official uh, custom is to send a gift of two different kinds of food or drink items to at least one other person, and preferably via a third party, so it's anonymous. And the other one is gifts to the poor, and that's what Mordecai wrote, and that's still done today as well. And the official custom there is to give money or food to at least two needy people. And then in Hebrew, that is called... Matter notes la evoidnim, and those are what's written in the Book of Esther. And I mean, it's it's only natural that um, the the Jews, when they celebrate and when they come to this holiday, they would actually just read the Book of Esther. So that's uh, the fourth the fourth meets vote. Meets vote being the the official customs of the Jews, the rituals and observances. That's the official fourth meets votes is to read the Book of Esther and um, do it in, in Pulim evening, Pulim Eve, and then Pulim Day. Do it twice is what uh, that's the official. And so this is the fun part. Uh, so while the Book of Esther is read, or maybe they read just like a, a, a synopsis story or something, but while it's being read, the name of Haman is to be blotted out by using noisemakers or stamping feet whenever the name is spoken. <laughs> we mentioned that. We thought it was so funny. Did you? Funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I would just love to just go to a synagogue oh. on Pulim and see all these black hatters like yelling and screaming and stamping their feet while Haman's being... <laughs> 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 Hey, you know, um, when, we were, when we were watching that uh, that video at the end, the Bible project, of, video. The Bible yeah. project video of like Esther, the whole Esther, and trying to like blot him on We were doing it, was, the five of us. So fun! It was, was like really hard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I guess if uh, if they re- if they actually read the book of Esther, like it'd be much easier for them because they just know it off by heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Every year they read it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, the sons of Ammon are to be read in one breath. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's a custom during the reading too. <clears throat> so those are the yeah the four official meets vote, and there are other customs that are that have been brought in. Throughout the the years, one of them is masquerading, and they just kind of explain that by saying, "Well, you know, we're we disguise ourselves, and that's the, it's kind of like how God disguised Himself through the natural events in Esther." Mm-hmm. So they just do it like that. It's it's and they and uh, they do they have parties, obviously carnivals, plays, skits. Stuff like that. So at parties, they they eat certain things, right, Nate? <gasps> yes, <laughs> they most certainly do, Mike. <laughs> well, what do they eat, Nate? They, they eat Hagen Dazs. They yeah. do. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> Probably some do. <laughs> don't speak for every Jew in, in the world, Mike. Only Nate eats a mother. <laughs> <laughs> Jewish Polish <laughs> the most famous um, piece of food for the holiday pulim is hamantaschen <laughs> <laughs> can you say that with me Nate hamantaschen hamantaschen <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, these, these are cookies. These are pastries. They're filled with a poppy seed, is the traditional, or or maybe some other sweet filling. Mm. And they're they're shaped in a triangle. And the translation of Hamantaschen is Haman's pockets. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So the, the, this treat is named after Haman, actually, and. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, some say Haman's some say Haman's pockets, some say Haman's ears, Haman's hat. You know, it's kind of depends on who you're talking to, I guess. Some gross pockets, full of <laughs> sticky <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So you'd rather eat his ears than his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool. And when I was in Israel, I went to a pooling party and. And uh, the people there, the, the big thing, one of the one, one of my friends, well, the, the leader actually of uh, our Esther study we were doing at the time, Israeli, he was saying, yeah, uh, Putin's coming up, and you know, now is the time you, the, the big question for, for children at this time is, what are you going to be for Putin? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the, the dressing up thing, right? And 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 it's it's really funny because you know for us it's like Halloween. You know what are you gonna be for Halloween? That's kind of the big thing around October. Oh. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the same thing there, but it's in spring. You know what are you gonna be for Pulim? It's just dressing up is just the thing to do for, <laughs> for Pulim. <laughs> so it's it's funny, and then yeah, all the there's a it was a party and people dressed up. Children were there and. And uh, yeah, food and and dancing and songs and, and stuff like that it was it was pretty cool. Hmm. How many hamatoshin did you eat? I don't remember, Nate. Oh, that must have been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five years ago. You think you're gonna remember? 
I probably would, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be you, I'm gonna be. You, like, you don't even remember the name of it. You think it's Hagen Dogs. <laughs> you weren't here for the beginning, Nate, or Mike. Nate says he's got everything in his brain, in his head. He doesn't write anything down. <laughs> okay, Nate. <laughs> so he remembers everything. <laughs> pretty bold statement. <laughs> That's a pretty bold statement. Oh man! And you know what's funny, Nate? You couldn't remember the name of this podcast from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> like every time, you can't. <laughs> It's all about Tyler the Bible, Mike. Talks. <laughs> yeah. Tyler talks. Thanks for listening to Tyler Talks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he walked himself into that one. Having <laughs> a lot of it on myself, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an offsize? Yeah. No, I'm going to go last because I can close it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dossier? Well- a synopsis, hey? A synopsis, if you have multiples, I guess. I guess, I, I guess, uh, really, I think, I think a really good thing to take away from it for people who maybe haven't read the book or aren't like 100% familiar with it is really just that idea of when you, when you live your day to day, even though it may not seem like it, like God is there. The, mm-hmm. he, he, he's, he's, it, it's because there's a lot of times where people are in dark places where people are going through struggles and, they and and there's a tend there's a tendency for people to basically like cry out to God like why why do I not feel you why are you not here but He really is there, it's it's just a matter of really seeking um, and then and then a just like a general parallel for the story of Esther and I think Mike it was you who had made the parallel either the last one or the study before that and it was sort of like the the how the story of Esther can sort of be can sort of be loosely parallel to the gospel the idea of there being something that's inevitable destruction, essentially like this decree or really our sin, the, the tragedy of the fall really. And that there's, there's a, there's a chance for hope, but it takes, it takes that sort of step of faith and that it takes that decision to really, to really walk out in faith and to, to accept it sort of like how Esther really walked out in her faith to then save the Jews. We have to really walk out in our faith to be able to save ourselves um, from our sin through, um. through, through accepting Christ. Oh man! Dang, that's a good synopsis to start. Off. <laughs> Should call someone else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have right. Nick Haley. No, no, no! Don't call me next over here. All right, <laughs> Michael, you're up. <laughs> synopsis of the book. First synopsis. Uh, no, I'm gonna give a synopsis, Nate. <laughs> you jokey. You do you, Mike. You do you. <laughs> I'll try. So the the book of Esther is is really a beautiful, well written book. Um, I encourage everybody read it and and uh, look at it deeply. You know, just kind of look at the beauty of it and just how it's how it was written. Um, the structure of it is just like it's a mere structure, and it's just like this is like. This is a movie script, you know, and uh, it, it's just really fun. It's fun to read. It's it's interesting. Like it's it's really interesting, is what it is. And 
very much so how God is absent in this book. We can wonder well, why is it in the Bible? But you know, and it's and Dawson said it. It's you know, God is is uh, is there, is everywhere, and at all times, and 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 His absence it makes it all the more real that he is he's a part of all this stuff he's behind the scenes he's working in natural events and, and doing uh working miracles and even the the normal sort of mundane sort of stuff and uh i also would say that the the, the esther's position and mordecai pointing it out you know you're put here for a reason so yeah encourage each one of us to just look at our lives and and and, and try to think oh, are we here for 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 a reason you know such a time as this um what is our what is our purpose um yeah what is what is god calling us to and uh yeah so let's let's seek out our purpose and mm-hmm. And uh, step out, step out in faith, and and walk with him. Good job, Mike. Noise. <laughs> Very well put. Okay, Nakayla, you ready now? Uh, well, all my main points were taken, but <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so Dawson, Dawson, and Michael covered it quite well, and Nate too. Yeah. Everyone's gotta go. <laughs> I don't even no, know that I they... think about it. It wasn't really in the synopsis. <laughs> it was just a broad statement I made. Yeah. <laughs> Less is more at times. Yeah. <laughs> no, this story is beautifully put together. It's very action-packed, and I like how I like the anal- uh, analogy of a play, like a Shakespearean play, where there's the different acts, and you see the rise and fall mm-hmm. of actions that take place. And especially with the rise and fall of circumstances that happen. And we see that in our everyday lives too, where things go up and down like a roller coaster. And it's very hard to see at times when God is there, especially in those low moments. And yeah, this story really beautifully puts a testimony of how we can trust in God, no matter what circumstances we are in. And trusting God grows our faith essentially and we see that through Esther through Mordecai and so yeah in our circumstances where God is absent where it's hard to see that he is sovereign where it's hard to see that he is in control faith I, I heard this put well the other day in a book I'm reading faith is surrendering control and Esther and Mordecai had no control over the events that were happening throughout the story and when they surrendered that and just let things happen the way they do they did by trusting in God then that's how everything worked out whereas Haman was trying so hard to hold on to his position to hold on to power to keep control of the situation that in the end he lost everything and so if you're feeling that so to, to the listeners if you're feeling that your your situation in life is out of control even in this pandemic situation we're in right now things feel so out of our control right now but even in this God is sovereign and he is powerful Mm -hmm. and we can trust him in every situation no matter what we're going through Uh, nice nate you want to redo yours or (laughs) 
Yeah, I think I got. I think I got a better one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, I was just thinking of that one line that Mordecai gave to Esther that I have it right here. Where is it? If you keep quiet at the time like this, deliverance and relief will come for the Jews from another place. And just thinking about that and everything going wrong for Mordecai that Haman's edicts just pushed out and like everything that like could go wrong is going wrong. And Mordecai just has that, that quiet optimism that like God's going to do something about this. And I was just imagining that, like, I guess like just as we were saying that God isn't really a part of this story we don't necessarily be a need to be a part of God's story either. So like Esther didn't have to be a part of God's, a part of God's uh, deliverance story, but she chose, she took that sacrifice and she chose to be, and then she's, yeah, she's going to be forever kind of ingrained in the book. So just thinking about that. <laughs> wow. That's pretty good, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Because <laughs> it's my turn now, hey? You got your boots. Close this off, Tyler. Oh, yeah. So I've never read this book. I'd have, I've heard this book, but I've never read this book before. And going through it was really cool just to read it, see it, and know exactly the details of it. And digging the depth that we did was a lot of fun. And I guess kind of the thing that like I've seen throughout this whole book of Esther and even like throughout the whole book of Ruth that we did and like throughout all the, the studies that we've done as a young adults group throughout this whole year and the fact that we've started our young, young adults group within a pandemic just kind of doesn't make sense and as I read through all the book of Esther some of the things just don't make sense like why would this happen why would God do this like what? Just, like to the whole story some of the stuff just doesn't make sense and if you put yourself in the shoes of Esther and Mordecai it's just like why would we do anything or like what should we do? What can we do? Like Mordecai and Esther are put in a position where it's like what they do sometimes doesn't like, it just doesn't seem right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it, they, they feel like you were saying the they feel like they're out of control. They can't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, a moment where it's like, when we started a young adults group, we're in a pandemic. We can't really feel like we're doing, we can't do anything, but we've done so much and come so far from where we have started. So I even see that with like within Esther and within Ruth, where Ruth was like uh, a Moabite and a, no Moabite would enter the kingdom of heaven, but she became like within the genealogy of Jesus. And so like how God uses these things that just kind of don't make sense, but like perfectly align with him. And I think that kind of kind of wraps it up where it's like everything that we do, sometimes if it doesn't make sense, it's just go for it. <laughs> it's not always going to make sense what God calls you to do and what, what he has planned for you and here we can see if you can make use of the things that do happen because he's in control mm-hmm. how was that nate that was pretty good <laughs> pretty I good know. i had the whole time to think about it but i had to think of something different so <laughs> yeah like every time probably someone came you had to think of something new <laughs> yeah no i had that thought for the whole time and nobody took it so <laughs> no yeah it was pretty good <laughs> Yep, so well, we'll see you guys. Well, I guess we'll close out the podcast here. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if we're going to be 
I don't know what we're going to be doing this summer for podcasts, but keep following us and keep up to date with that, and we'll figure something out. As well, I would also mm-hmm. love to hear from anybody that is listening. If you want to reach out and contact us, I'm going to try and put um, our email address in the description. And if you want us to hear us talk about something or even what study you want us to go through next or, I don't know, just reach out and say hi. It doesn't really matter. Feel free to do that. I'll put it up in our description of what our email address is and we'll go from there. So thanks for listening. All about the Bible has its own email. No, but our young adults group does, so I'm just going to put that on there. Oh, nice. Yep. You bet. Unless you want me to make an all about the Bible email, Nate. <laughs> well, we may as well now, I said. <laughs> well, Nate, Nate, would rather, Nate would rather you make a Tyler Talk email. Tyler Talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Talk and Hagen Dawes at Hotmail. <laughs> Oh, that should be our group where we just buy Hagen Dawes and listen to Tyler talk. <laughs> Honestly, Nate, I, that sounds like a great time, but I, there are better ways to spend my time than that. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch, Dawson, you don't like that? Oh, no. That's not at all what I said. I just said there's better. There's, time is better spent somewhere else than listening to you talk and eating Hagen Dawes. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Have you ever had Hagen Dawes? <laughs> yes, and I mean, I, I mean it. I mean, it, based on how much you're hyping it, it's not nearly that good. <laughs> well, it's oh, biblical. Man. No, it's not, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>